tell Maddie that I'm waiting for my next drink. Okay. What do you want? To- birthday no. is it? It was yours, George's birthday. So come on, give me a drink. Happy birthday to you. You get your COVID vaccine and you start going to birthday parties now, George? Or yeah, so this is a terrible, terrible decision. <laughs> I'm like going to drink for one month. I'm supposed to go to Dave's for a drink for his birthday. It's gone fucking off the rails. Like, it's fucking hammering drinks. George, you want a good way to measure how drunk you are right now? We've been on this Zoom call for four minutes, and yeah. you've told me that three times already. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I've got a great story, Les. <laughs> There's only six people at this house, by the way, so it's not like a giant, like we're under the 10-person limit, but I don't have audacity, so somebody has to take me. Just just do a voice memo. And- so, Bruce, when I did that last time, the file was so big, I couldn't send it to you. What did, you could do is, is uh, fly to Thompson and then airdrop it to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from outside my house because we still you can do you in. can do fedex ground delivery with your phone. your phone hey les by the way i'm just down your street i'm in leslieville now you might have noticed the background has changed i'm actually a, a six minute walk from your house oh thanks for letting me know no 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 les wouldn't have that yeah. we gotta have you in the same room yeah no fuck are you kidding he's yeah. all weird he's all weird you, he's you, all weird about that you shit stay six minutes away Steve Space and X. Super Steve. Yeah, I am. I'm Vector. Vector. Victor Vector. Yeah, crossing borders. He's not going to be allowed to go back to Manitoba now. Manitoba closed days the border. When you come back, 14 yeah, days. Yeah, that's okay. I've done, I've done so many self-isolations this year. It's ridiculous. George, are you getting parched? Your drink's taking so long. I feel thirsty for you. Bruce, did you dye your hair? No, I didn't. I- I did get a cut. Martin. I was going to say Bruce got a haircut for sure. Our hair salons still aren't opening up. So last weekend, finally, Marnie uh, sat me down in the chair and did a pretty solid job. i got to say. She did. That's a pretty um, stylish trim there, buddy. And uh, COVID cut. You're right, though, George. I couldn't count the number of people that asked me if I dyed my hair when I first started growing it out. And when it's shorter, it looks dark like that. It's weird. You know what? I'm going to I'm just going to leave. Go have another drink. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> maybe bruce is thinking that might not be a bad idea wait, wait have, have you been drinking <laughs> five four three, three two, two one it's february 2021 this is episode 40 vaccine and the reason why this is a great pod is this is passionate we don't talk about a topic that literally touches everybody. And this is one of them. This, this is a good one and I hope people reflect on it. I think you're gonna do a great job editing this. And this might be a part two because I bet you in one month, we're gonna have different opinions than we do now. This is how quickly this story is changing. It's kind of true. And that's a little bit of pressure to get this out. If I sit on this for a month, it's gonna be massively dated. So thanks for that, George. Slow day, I'm hoping for a slow day. Here's the disclaimer. This one got a little long. It's COVID. We had nothing else to do, and neither do you. This is the Snow Day Podcast with leadership expert, Stephen DeGroote. I'm going to make it really simple. I'd rather get my news from Fauci than fucking TMZ. How's that? CEO, Leslie Hansen. You got to crawl up that guy's ass and make him give you the vaccine. Me, Bruce Krentz, the one they left behind. I'm going to go get this vaccine. And if in two or three years, I start to grow a third eye, science is going to figure something out. And Dr. George Alvarez. I'm going to stop because I realize I've drunk too much. And this isn't making sense to my own fucking brain. a milestone episode for the pod fellas 40 big 4-0 feels pretty good we're checking in on some of our new year's resolutions so the last time we talked was just shortly before christmas it's february 1st now 2021 we got to start with george george was he came out the hottest on the new year's resolutions and uh how's it been going i think i've mentioned this to a couple of you guys i said that i didn't want to drink for a month, and I realized probably since I was 17, I didn't go a dry month. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it when you said it. 
obviously February 1st, I fully have gone back on that resolution and uh, drinking lots tonight. <laughs> However, my New Year's resolution was not to drink for a calendar month, which I did, do a whole bunch of exercise and lose some weight. And I had a bet with uh, several groups of friends in Calgary and I've lost money on all the groups, 50 bucks a piece, <laughs> partly because those guys had way more weight loss to give than I did. Uh, but so that was my New Year's resolution, just to get a bit dry, do some regular exercise and see what weight loss you could do in one month. And it's been really fun and uh, kind of a fun way to connect with people. How's Jenny Craig? <laughs> Jenny's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was your goal and what did you lose? So I didn't have a goal, but I think I ended up losing four pounds only. I ended up rocking out 1,925 push-ups. I worked out, I don't know. 15, 16 times this month. And uh, I went a whole month dry, which I remember Les telling me that he went three months. Yeah, I went 100 days. I went 100 days. On yeah, 100 time. days. Yeah. And I got to tell you, the first drink I had tonight, like I felt like Frank the Tank. It was unbelievable. It's like the first drink I ever had in my life. It was so delicious. And as we speak, delicious. Uh, somebody's actually walking in uh, like with has, like has, like a shooter and a highball. Yeah, yeah. This is a six forty nine shot. It's a six forty nine shot. It means it's Fireball Jameson and. Oh, that's terrible. Yep. Yeah. Bruce, we clearly made a strategic error with scheduling this yeah. uh, <laughs> this podcast, knowing that George was doing dry January. Why the fuck did we schedule to record on February 1st? <laughs> Chalk it up to poor judgment. We should have seen this coming. This is on us. This is on us. This is bad planning. <laughs> we sort of missed it, but when I looked and thought Monday night at 7, should have been a safe bet. If we've learned one thing on the previous 39 podcasts we've recorded, there are no safe bets. No. <laughs> no. Four pounds, that's crazy, George. Don't you have like bigger dumps than that? Like, like four pounds in one month. So guys, there's a, a guy who doesn't listen to our pod. What? A guy who doesn't listen to our pod, but he's a good friend of mine, his name is John. And he's done keto lots of times in his life. He lost 15 pounds this month. So he's the guy that I lost money to. Because uh, he went fasting and keto at the same time. He lost 15 pounds in 30 days, which is crazy. It's probably not healthy. Like uh, bulimia to me at that age. I, sorry to, you know. Georgie, you're a doctor. You sh you sh aren't you the one that advises him that that's not healthy? Yeah. I hate to tell John that 10 of that's coming back in February. but yeah. uh... <laughs> At least 12. John is here tonight. It's back already. I can guarantee you. Good for him. He took money off of George in a uh, in a competition. So credit where credit is due, John. Congratulations. Well done, John. Yeah, you got to have goals, John. You got to have goals, yeah. right? But George, I think you, what you have failed to pat yourself on the back for is, I believe your goal for push-ups in January was fifteen hundred, and you did close to two thousand. So you destroyed your monthly push-up goal. I wouldn't say this too often. But what I could do right now with push-ups is pretty impressive. Like I could drop right now and do quite a few push-ups in a row. And it kind of, it was sort of fun because when you start doing push-ups, it's hard and then you get better. And after one month of yeah. doing push-ups, yeah. I could probably pound out, you know, 30 push-ups in a row. And I doubt I could do that at my peak when I was 22. Do you have a headset on right now? <laughs> no. No. Drop, All right, drop let's and go. give us 30. Drop and give us 30. Let's go. Let's get this on record. On the heels of this 649 shooter. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just tilt your camera down so we can see, you know, at least just see your ass coming in and out of the bottom of the picture. Well, he won't have to tilt his camera down for that. <laughs> Steve, that was a dirty trick that you played on George. What's that? Telling him that doing push-ups would make his dick bigger. <laughs> He's a doctor. I thought he knew. I thought he knew. That's why he shattered his New Year's resolution. Prove yourself brave. Truth like Pinocchio. And unselfish. And someday you will be a real boy. A real boy! I'm a real boy. I'm a real boy. <laughs>
<laughs> oh boy. Well, so how are we doing, Bruce? Are you going to rope it in here? <laughs> How's the tomato timer doing, Bruce? <laughs> We're not going to have a lot of time for COVID. Let's spin over to the spin bike, Lester. You got 2,000? I'm crushing it on the spin bike. I hit 200 miles today, which is Ooh. exactly on target. My, my goal was to do 1,000 miles on that bike before my birthday in June. So I'm exactly on target as of today. Starting to enjoy it. Starting to get into it. Takes, uh, I don't know if you guys are spin bike guys. I've not been in the past, never been much of a cyclist. So it takes a couple of weeks for your ass to get used to it. And uh, just to get a little rhythm, your knees stop clicking and shit, you know, at our age. But <laughs> Can you say, like, I don't know if you guys are spin bike kind of guys, and then say, I'm a cyclist right after that. I don't know. <laughs> no, I said I'm not a cyclist. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just yeah. those, two those two things back to back. I'm not sure many cyclists listening would think spin bike is cycling. But I'm just saying. Oh, well, whatever. But I've never spent much time on a spin bike. You never spot. That's my point. <laughs> That's impressive. So, how many how many miles a day then to get to 200? I have to do 10 kilometers a day every day until my birthday. I'll get two days to spare. So it's a nice, perfect, like, You don't want to fall behind it. on that. That's no. that's the only thing I would say. You go on a three-day bender yeah. and all of a sudden you're yeah. staring yeah. a pretty big hill yeah. in the face. Yeah. I took a couple days off in January and, and making back up for them was, uh, was a little tricky. So, yeah. 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 Wow. Cool. Beauty. Everything else is just the same. COVID, mostly locked down. Doing yeah. what you do. Yeah. Fuck. Boring. Yep. Bored. <laughs> bored is my life right now. The bored thing, I'm starting to get there a little bit too. I'm getting a little punchy and it was kind of funny because about a week, <laughs> a week and a half ago at work on Monday morning, I had more people call in sick than I've had in probably six months. I had a couple emails that were really hard wow. on me, you know? Wow. And Oh, wow. I got home that day and I was kind of grouchy too. I actually hit the treadmill to try to blow off a little bit of steam. And, and I realized when you look on that thing, they say that that week of January is like blue January or whatever, the hardest week of the year, like you're after Christmas and it's dark and it's cold and it's far from summer and all that stuff. And I never yeah. really bought into that, but it was funny how all of those things in my life collided. just collided all at once. And I, and I sort of believed it. Like Les said, it's finally starting yeah. to turn into a little bit like Groundhog Day, you know, even the fun stuff you've done, uh, done a few too many times. So I feel like I'm bouncing back now. We had beautiful weather this weekend, got out to Studio P, which is a, just a blessing for us. We say it all the time that we get a change of scenery on warm weekends. My little New Year's resolution, I was shooting for 30 minutes of music a day, wanting to get a little bit more music in my life. I, the, kind of like the chin-ups, I haven't made the 30 minutes a day. It just wasn't a real, it wasn't a realistic yeah. thing, but, yeah. uh, but I have been doing a lot more of that and it's, it's been pretty cool. And you're talking about playing music, not listening to music, right? Like actually playing music. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, like, the listeners might be like, that's, I thought Krentz already listened to music all the time. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> two, two hours of walking every day. I listen yeah. to music constantly. No, it's, yeah. it's playing, playing some different instruments. Yeah. And, uh, and I sort of extended it out to, I've been trying to be a, a music producer, throwing some little tunes together on that. And it's been lots of fun. So I certainly didn't make my goal, but I've been adding some more of that to my life. And it's been pretty great. Stevie? Just trying to be a bit healthier. So I think I've been, been eating less snacks. And you guys will be impressed with this. I actually drink less during the week now. I know I said that. It's recording, so I, I will believe that I said that. <laughs> I'm just trying to make better health choices. Not tonight, though. I mean, it's Monday night, and I'm having some wine, so cheers. Just for the record, you know the Raptors aren't playing tonight at this moment because we wouldn't be having this podcast, <laughs> but the Jets are playing right now against Calgary. And the fact oh, wow. that Alvarez doesn't know that just reconfirms that he's not a Flames fan. And I love you guys. So I'll catch up with the in, Jets when we're off this. Funny, I'm in a fantasy hockey draft and I don't do drafts, but I jumped in on this one because there's just nothing else going on. You guys know I don't watch hockey at all. And so this is hard for me and I'm getting absolutely crushed in this draft. So <laughs> on Thursday, I handed over day-to-day -day control of my team to Brady Krentz. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's heavy into it. He knows that it's one of those ESPN pools. He knows the drill. He's got a couple of teams of his own and he happily took over day-to-day -day operations so it's nice. a week-to-week -week challenge thing and i i'm giving them uh it's a frozen lemonade for every week that we win <laughs> nice and a pizza party when we win the league nice, <laughs> nice. that was some pretty funny even though he's 17 i'm sure he was hoping for angling for beers and all i gave yeah, him was yeah. a was a pizza party now uh, realistic he'll probably get both <laughs> yeah he will 100 <laughs> percent. it's uncle bruce he slides over to the fire this summer and job done here's a question are you guys going to watch the super bowl this weekend yes gonna try to no actually now that you say that i heard something Twenty-two thousand people in the stands or something yeah you know it's in 
Tampa Bay, Florida, so there'll probably be more than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, be uh, <laughs> well, with 4,000 people dying every day in the U.S., tickets are getting easier to get each day. <laughs> you may not believe in COVID, but COVID That's believes in you. <laughs> I can make you scared if you want me to. I'm not prepared, but if I have to, I said I can make you scared. Kind of what I do if you're prepared. Here's what we've I tried to stay away from COVID because it's sort of all consuming and we feel like we've done too many episodes on it, but it's all consuming. It's what people are talking about, and it's certainly what we'd be talking about if we were in a basement together. What maybe pushed it over the edge for me was This American Life, which is one of the, the biggest podcasts in the world they can't get away from COVID. They can't find anything to talk about other than Trump and COVID. And they have a slightly larger team behind them than we do. <laughs> They've got a bigger reach. And so no apologies for us or for any other podcasts that are a little bit stuck on this topic because it's it's the only thing that's going on right now. So vaccine rollout, where are you at on it? What do things look like around your piece of the world? George, we're going to go to you first. You are the first person that I have a one-person connection to to get the vaccine. Just jumped in on your white privilege big time. Basically the first person in Alberta to get the vaccine. <laughs> Tell us about it. What are your, Where do you want to start on vaccines? <laughs> wow, that was awesome. <laughs> George is like, I could be over there drinking in the other room, but I'm putting up with the shit right now. <laughs> so there's a lot of funny truth in what you just said. Uh, I, I was literally the first person to be called because Alvarez is my name, although I was not the first doctor to be vaccinated because I was working. So obviously I feel very lucky and privileged to be vaccinated. I had a lot of notes written down about vaccine. It's all at my house because I'm at somebody else's. So I'm trying to remember all the things that I wrote down. I love it. I love what it. a vaccine is. Yeah, what is a vaccine? How do you spell vaccine? <laughs> so you know what? I'm going to fall back to um, what the vaccine is purported to do and what it hopes to do and what the average listener may not know about what the vaccine oh. is doing. Because I think wow. that's important. And I had this conversation not too long ago with Les, and I'm gonna throw, I'm gonna go back to March and April when people were talking about the R value of, um, of this infection. So what the R value is, in case people don't know, is if I get infected, how many people will get infected with me? And most people, Bebe, and the reason why I'm mentioning this you want is some wine? I'm gonna I want drink people it all to realize if you don't get that this vaccine is a very initial step to a very, very long and complicated story and that the vaccine is not going to be the end all to this gigantic global story that we're all living through. So it means that I, we have to get this R value less than one. So if the R value is three or four, it means I infect three or four people and the vaccine or the number of natural infections would bring the all value down to less than one. Meaning if I get infected, I will not infect more than one person. You know what, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop right there. I'm gonna stop because I realize I've drunk too much and this isn't making sense to my own fucking brain. And I'm I'm explaining this very poorly. And you're worried that you're worried that Krentz is going to be playing the no no no. Music I'm actually yeah. worried that I'm going to explain this so badly. It's not going to make sense <laughs> that you might lose your job, deservedly so. You'll lose your license. You're like you'll be the Rudy Giuliani of doctors. Exactly. This is a terrible time for me to give advice. Welcome to Doctor Talk. Saturday morning, coffee in hand. Everybody in my household is sleeping. So. I'm re-recording. The R factor of any infectious diseases is the ability of one person to infect others. At the beginning of this pandemic about a year ago, people thought the R factor was about three or four, but it's looking like it's closer to five right now. So that means if I get infected, I'm going to infect five other people. And in order for us to get herd immunity, we have to get that number below one. Why is this important? Well, if we take the number five, then that means four people out of those five people must either get the infection, survive it, or get immune. So that's 80%. Four out of five people 
is a very large number. Let's take our home province of Manitoba and about 500,000 people are over 50 years of age. And let's use that as an at-risk population. 80% of 500,000 people is 400,000 people that have to get this infection, live or get immunized. And that also assumes several things. One, you can't get it again. Two, the virus doesn't mutate at a rate that you can get reinfected or the R number say it goes up to eight or 10. Uh, and number three, that travel is minimal between borders and international, which is obviously not happening. Now this isn't to be alarmist or pessimistic, it's just to stress the point that logistically, this is gonna take a lot longer than you think it's gonna take. And our fruit will only be born probably next flu season to see how our vaccination campaign has born out. Do you feel different now that you're vaccinated? Do you feel mentally different? I know you've always felt very confident and strong in terms of, you know, protecting yourself, working in a high risk situation in the ICU as you have been doing for a year. But do you feel different? Uh, good question. Not at all. So being vaccinated, when I got vaccinated, there was no coverage about the variants coming out of Brazil, coming out of South Africa. So me vaccinating has zero impact how I work, the PPE that I'm using. And I think people think that somehow I'm immune to this disease or the variants of it. And I think the general population and, you know, the pod listeners have to understand that this does not confer some 100% immunity to this disease and all diseases. And the amount of effort that I and my department has towards the disease in no way has changed at all. Like yeah. not an yeah. iota. So yeah. I guess I feel a little bit safer that I have this, you know, vaccine, but it's the same way for all the other vaccines I've had in my life. I'm not all of a sudden going to start using, you know, IV drugs or, you know, bloodborne diseases or start shooting heroin or I'm going to have unprotected. Like, it, it doesn't really not change. Using, not me. using condoms in Haiti. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to do any of those things. So although I am grateful that I have this vaccine, it in no way has changed the way that I approach the way that I work day to day. There's a small segment of the population that has been ushered to the front of the line the way those people work has no way changed. In our, our public health world right now, it things have actually gotten busier. And we expect that our work is going to pick up now probably for the next six months because people are tired of COVID. And now that there's some vaccine, you're right, people think that there's some sort of immunity out there and we're just we're losing our will to, to keep going. And we know that we're going to have to keep doing contact tracing for eight or nine months. We're going to have to place people in isolation and it's just getting harder and harder instead of easier. Now, right now, Northern Manitoba is a disaster. It's on fire. <laughs> if we had the population of Winnipeg, we'd be having 600 cases a day. It's crazy, but I found it, it's, it's harder for us and, and we're struggling with keeping even our staff engaged because it's just such a long fight now and it's gonna be so many seven day a week, 12 hour days that it's, yeah. it's tough. Bruce, you should have read that thing I sent you because it's on how do you get your staff resilient during COVID. You should probably read it. Just saying. Hello there. My name is Stephen DeGroot, president and co-founder of Brivia Consulting. I am an author, international speaker, performance coach, and human behavior enthusiast. My greatest passion, which some might characterize as an obsession, to make your life and the lives of the people you care about better. Killer product placement. Yeah, Even though it's awesome. not a plug, but I'm, I'm just being honest because, dude, I'm telling you. Right? What do they say? The second wave wasn't going to be that hard. We're going to get through this. We're in this together. Oh, all of a sudden, there's a variant. We continue to be like off balance, off balance, get hit again, get hit again, get hit again. There's no shortage in people feeling absolutely exhausted and being in a game they never considered. Because at the beginning, it's our Olympics, we're prepared for this. Yeah, but guess what? You were promised a 400 meter and you're in the 4,000 meter. <laughs> and it may be the 4 million. Are you surprised by the reluctance you're seeing for people to get it? 
I had some serious reluctance at the start too. There was two things for me. Part of it was I didn't feel like the education that came out was great. I heard a lot. It's safe. It's safe. It's safe. We've given it to all these people. It's safe. You never explained to me 100% why it was safe. I've done some research and I feel a lot better about that now. I also liken it to, uh, to my cottage in the fall time. I'm going to walk across the ice to the cabin, but I don't want to be the first set of tracks across the ice to the cabin. <laughs> like I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm up to date on everything. And I think I'm getting this too, but you still, do you really want to be the front of the line? And I know George, you did, and lots of people are comfortable with it. Long-term effects is what I worried about, like two years, three years, which I guess isn't really a thing with vaccines. How do we know that? And we've all signed on for that. Have you seen that reluctance to, to line up and get it done? Wow. This has been a very interesting surprise for me. So I think we grew up generally believing that vaccines were good for you. They, there was no general thought other than the anti-vaxxers that just exist. And I think this is kind of a one-two punch. We had something that is unprecedented, and I know that word is used a lot, but COVID came out really out of left field. It scared the bejesus out of everybody. And then an unbelievable unified world front, not akin to the world wars. What? Not akin to the world wars. Whatever. He's drunk and he's rolling. Came together to create a solution that people generally have a mistrust in. And that's a very complicated story on why people generally mistrust health and disinformation. And we've touched on this topic uh, glancing over lots of other pods on why there's just a general distrust of what the information is out there. And there's lots of history uh, that are rooted in racism, socioeconomic class, lots of reasons why people generally distrust and probably the speed of which this came out, both the speed of COVID coming in and the answer to COVID, which is this vaccine, which we hope is the answer. So I, it's a really good question and I'm really interested to know why other people on this pod think that people are reluctant. I will tell you, cause I read about this very recently that over the last 10 months, both healthcare workers and the general populations believe that this vaccine is going to work or they believe in it is a steady decrease. Uh, in other words, people don't believe in this vaccine and I don't know why. We've created these narratives that are like, we've lost touch with what's true and what's not true and whatever's the loudest becomes true. And I think with something like this, you know, there's, you know, you take part facts, right? So a part fact is how long did it take to create other vaccinations? Like years, decades, <laughs> right? And this one took, you know, a pretty good effort of about six and a half to seven months. You take a small part of truth the whole thing's been scary. This whole thing has been unfolding in a way that nobody realizes. You throw in misinformation and it just becomes like, oh my gosh, we become par paralyzed with not knowing who to trust or what to trust, right? Not that it's not important. Like Bruce said, you're like, you're in health, dude. You're like, yeah, I'm not going to be the first to walk across the lake. And on this one, I'm like, you know, I think I might lay low and see how this rolls out. Like, see how this plays out a little bit. <laughs> I'm not an idiot, I have access to research to George, to Les, to smart people, but I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm not too, I'm not too sure. It's not yeah. that I don't trust. It's like, uh... basically, my only fear with this vaccine is as much testing as we could do, we don't know what it's going to look like in three years. Now, maybe that isn't a real concern, and that should be part of the education that goes out, you know. And maybe it is when you first get it. Um, and I know that we've had we've had similar similar vaccines with. H1N1 and SARS and all that stuff. So it isn't like it's brand new. I'm with you, Steve. A little bit of trepidation. Lester's in the medical software business. What, is, what does he think? <laughs> yeah. Can't wait, to do, can't wait to do some testing in two years. We're going to make a fortune off of this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're working on this. It's funny because when I think of anti-vaxxers and the anti-vax movement, I just feel like, aren't anti-vaxxers kind of like 2005? <laughs> Shouldn't we be past that point where social media kind of first emerged, the internet first emerged, and we realized, wow, the internet's really great for getting groups of people together 
and reaching out and finding people who who you can share ideas with. And one of the first things that bubbled to the surface were all these idiotic people who wanted to deny science and ignore doctors and say <laughs> vaccines don't work. And that's kind of like was the first ah for fuck's sakes moment of social media failure in terms of my mind. Right. <laughs> right out of the right out of the gate. Oh damn. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah. it it was we could kind of make fun of anti-vaxxers. You could just scoff at them a little bit because we weren't facing any disease states where it really mattered that much because we haven't been yeah. fighting a viral outbreak. So we could go, ugh, for Christ's sake, surely in Arkansas, get off the internet and quit telling people that the HPV vaccine <laughs> made your kid walk backwards for a month, right? Like just stop. <laughs> and But it didn't really matter that much. Now it really matters. Now all of a sudden it really fucking matters. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, right. It didn't matter before, and now it really matters. It mattered, right? Because there yeah. were outbreaks in some areas. Yeah. yeah. But it didn't matter to us. Now it matters to us, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit. Now we really have to actually convince these people and other people who didn't pick one side of that debate right. are now for the first time kind of thinking about it and going, ooh. And yeah, I'll tell you what. There's a lot of reasons to be nervous about getting this vaccine. The day that my number is called, not one day earlier, not one day later, the day that my number is called, I will go down and I will get my vaccine and I'll be, I'll be happy to get it. But I'm not going to lie and say that I'm not going to be anxious standing in line waiting for it. Of course, there's some, some reasons to be nervous, but it's a matter of overall risk mitigation. Yeah, there's some risks of possible negative outcomes from, from a vaccine that's largely untested. But there's much more risk of not reaching herd immunity for this virus within a reasonable amount of time. And the longer this lockdown lasts, the the easier that choice is to make, right? <laughs> to think, you know what, I'm going to go get this vaccine. And if in two or three years I start to grow a third eye, science is going to figure something out. Yeah, right? Yeah, science will figure something out. The rest of the world's in the same boat as me. So, you know, they're yeah. going to figure something out. Georgie? You know, it's funny because the viewer won't be able to see that we're on a Zoom call and I put up my hand. I love, I was going to say you didn't use the hand function. I think Les brought up a good point there. I think he's being honest and I would probably agree with you guys on why there's a general anxiety and trepidation about taking this vaccine. It's because it's rooted in the general anxiety and trepidation of our society in general. If we were talking about rolling out a vaccine in normal times, in fact, just rolling out any public health policy in general times without a world pandemic of 100 million people being infected and new variant, like it literally feels like every few weeks when you feel a little bit of a reprise, something comes out of left field and punches you. The new variants are coming out. Canada just locks down international borders. We're not sure if we're going to be able to do provincial borders. It, it, it feels like you're in a heavyweight fight and you're always just getting punched. So anytime something comes up, it would be odd for the general person not to feel anxious about anything, including a solution. So I get why people feel anxious about this vaccine because they're just anxious in general. This is the first time outside of a like literal world war where everybody is generally feeling anxious about everything. And anytime there's general anxiety or fear, then any truths that try to percolate to the top will be cut down uh, because they won't be able to grow in fertile ground because the ground is, I guess, for the lack of a better word, poisoned. Like you're, you're just trying to create a solution uh, or um, make an argument that's not clean. And I think that's why people are feeling, like Bruce says, I'm feeling a bit weird about taking this vaccine and I bet you if this was a different situation, i.e. not a pandemic, you wouldn't have those thoughts or comments. It's an interesting point. 100%. Good on you to keep it together for that long of a speech too. But some of what I think would have been nice to hear come out is how much of the how a vaccine development is development and how much is testing. So did this really get tested less than another one would, but it just got developed way faster? Or would another one have normally been tested for two or three years and we've only tested it for six months, right? And that's, Both. I've looked- All I've of the of, above. Yeah. 
all yeah. of the above. <laughs> yeah. That's what gives you some trepidation. But George is also kind of right with this age of information and looking for a hope. If we didn't know that it didn't normally take this long to make a vaccine, we would have all just lined up and got it, right? Like oh, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the other things that you, when you go get one for yellow fever or when you're traveling to uh, places where there's a bunch of mosquitoes. Asia. Yeah, yeah or, yeah. or all Africa, of that. You don't, yeah. you, you yeah. don't ask how long they've been tested. I mean, those ones have been around for a while, but who knows? You just got a new drug and maybe it had never been tested, but you just don't ask. You don't know. Yeah, and so this one, we almost got whammied by the amount of information that we're getting because yeah. I would have just lined up. I mean, the flu vaccine I got last year, I don't know how long that was developed. They might've made it the day before I got it. As long as you didn't go to Fred's discount vaccines. <laughs> yeah. I'll never do that again. The timing of this, asking the global community to believe in something the government is telling them could not come at a worse time. Politically, in every part of the world for the last 20 plus years, the left and the right side of the political argument have spent the entire time throwing so much shit at the other side and insisting they lie to you, they lie to you, they lie to you, pointing fingers in both directions, that trust in government, even for apolitical people, is at an all-time low. So you know, you, now you're expecting them to just believe you when you say, oh, no, 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 like, trust us, trust us. You got you to gotta do this. Well, yeah. shit, you've been telling me for four years not to trust anything that that guy says. Yeah. And he's been telling me for four years not to trust anything you say. Yeah. And now you're telling me to trust you? Like, what the hell? Bruce, you should queue up. You do it to yourself, you do, and that's what really hurts. Right? That's exactly it, Les. It's, it's like parents in a divorce situation. Right? One of the things I say is don't ever make the kids question your loyalty. The second dad says, don't trust mom, right? And then mom says, don't trust dad. The kids automatically ask, who's lying? And it's true about what you're saying. It's like, don't trust him. Don't trust him. We rotate government. The last election, we trusted them. They sold us out. They said not to trust them. Well, we're going to try something different. And we just don't trust. We trust less. Not We well, trust I'm... less. We always trust less. Well, you should trust me. Yeah, trust we less. trust less. We trust... We trust less, but we trust less. We'll always trust less. Yeah, you should trust me. Oh, God, I'm, I'm so confused. <laughs> Do you think part of this, too, comes from such a huge national response? And, and you've seen this tons in the States and in Canada, too. But there's a there's a huge national response to say, we're getting the vaccine. We bought 100 million doses. This is going to be great. And then there's been no leadership. And this isn't just in Canada. It's everywhere in terms of actually rolling it out, right? So now it falls down to basically each, each health authority is making their own little plan. And... There's no bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there can be, because in the end, it's those people on the ground that have to deliver it. But the delivery's gone really poorly. Yeah. In well, so how about many a lack of trust again, right? We, yeah, we did this, it's coming. We did this, it's coming. We're going to do it in this way, it's coming. Like everything that they said about how it's going to roll out, who's going to get, like, has not transpired. Mm. So mm-hmm. it's hard to yeah. trust. It's Here's, hard to trust when you say this is going to happen and it doesn't happen and you're in control. It's, it's interesting, you know, Steve, you mentioned a few minutes ago, narratives. Mm-hmm. For the longest time, we were following this and the whole world holding its collective breath and crossing its fingers, praying for a vaccine. And then all of a sudden we woke up one day and it's like, holy shit, we have vaccines. We have vaccines at work. <laughs> it's, it's here. How quickly did the narrative turn to outrage at the vaccine rollout plan? <laughs> right? like uh, like was it like was it a full week that people were like yay right. vaccine <laughs> a full happy week before we were immediately back to outrage <laughs> when you're promised something by somebody in control right we don't know we don't know we're on the ground and the yeah, hope hope is like you know we're, we hope we hope we hope and then somebody comes on the telly and says we promise that this is going to happen. What were you doing in England? You weren't supposed to travel. You were watching the telly? <laughs> yeah. No, guess what, guys? I'm in England again. Yeah. I'm chasing the COVID. And that's the problem. You brought back the B117 variant. Yeah, I am the vector. Yeah. I am the vector. <laughs> Patient zero. <laughs> Here's what I'm saying, Lester. I, I agree with you, dude. I, I think humans were, we're just, we want things right now. Like we want it right now, right? And we're upset because it didn't happen right now. But I think a part of that is let's not be promised that something's going to happen right now. Because when people are holding on hope, we've all been there, but when we're holding on to hope for something to happen and somebody says it's going to happen in the next minute, every minute after that, 
every minute after that is fucking excruciating. If somebody said, you know, we're not sure, we're doing our best, every minute is just another minute. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, is, Steve. Right? I think that's a good, like, very top of the umbrella as to why people, why it's so easy to get angry at the government for having a bad rollout plan because you're so hopeful when you heard the word vaccine. Yeah. Oh, good, I'm <laughs> yeah. going to get it next week, right? So that makes sense. Yeah. I, I completely yeah. agree with what you're saying. It makes a lot of sense. My question back to you guys is, are you angry at the government? Are you like, where are you directing any rage that you might have right now towards the vaccine rollout? Bruce, you're living this every day. Yeah. Or, or are you not? You cannot turn on the news or open a newspaper today in Canada and see anything other than people pointing the finger at various levels of government with outrage and disgust for how bad a rollout plan they have in place. Yeah. I mean, my, my frustration is a little more local than what you're talking about mm -hmm. and not local. I, I'm incredibly impressed with our team, but you're right, Lester. I've got a bunch of staff that worked at a vaccination clinic today. Thompson's very first vaccine clinic was today. And a number of my staff, some of them are doing vaccinating. They're nurses that have got called in to do that. And the other people are the people that greet you and help mm -hmm. you move through the process. Right. So I've got, I'm right into it. Congratulations, man. That's a big day. February 1st, 2021, Bruce started vaccinating people in Thompson. <laughs> they wouldn't actually let me vaccinate people. With yeah, I'm like, weren't you practicing on oranges last week, Bruce? Like, I, it's going to be my big day. It's going to be my big day. I know what I'm doing. I'm sticking people. But I, I think my frustration, and I see it right from the grassroots level, is we did, we did a bunch of flu clinics here this year preparing for these vaccine clinics. So we had a plan. It was a practice. It was a straight-up yeah. practice. We yeah. knew that. And then as the vaccines got to the province... Provincially, we got direction on different ways to do it. And I don't know if any of you heard anything about VACPort, but they were going to have this hangar at the airport in Thompson with the super cold fridges. And at one point, yeah. the plan was to fly everyone to Thompson from all of northern Manitoba and vaccinate them there and fly them home. Well, it's just, how do you not fly people into those communities? We've been doing that for 20 years in public health or 30. It only makes more sense. And, and so we, we got this other direction and we got you know bamboozled by the province out of what we thought was a good plan that we had practiced. Now we're spun in another direction. And I suspect that the same sort of thing happened to our province federally, where they said, these are the vaccines that are coming, or this is how it's going to roll out. Yeah. Hindsight's 2020. You think we knew this day was coming from the moment COVID started. So how did we not have plan A, B, and C set in stone so that we knew you didn't know how the vaccine was going to be handled and if it could be moved and all that. Like I get all of that, but it just feels frustrating that we're now making this up as we go almost. But to, to Steve's point, this was the easiest thing in the world for politicians and put yourself in their yeah. shoes to you could not under promise and over deliver on this. Every person wanted to stand up and say, everyone will be vaccinated by September just because by the nature of your job and wanting to give people hope. Right. So I don't think I have a rage, but it's just a disappointment that we didn't handle it better. And I, and I don't hang that yeah. on anyone. I don't. It's both of those. I think it's been a shit of a rollout because they said you're going to roll it better and you didn't. Disappointment is where expectations meet experience let's just call it let's simplify this so am i am i raged i'm not angry i'm used to being disappointed by our government like bruce says chop chop chicken louis get to it we can get to it when you promise people who are desperate the level of disappointment is exacerbated and i think if you're into it or if you're following the news like we all kind of do you knew a lot of that stuff wasn't realistic. And maybe that maybe that's why I'm not quite so angry because ev everything I saw, I thought, I'm taking this with a grain of salt, I hope. I want to believe like everyone else, but I'm not betting my life savings on any of the, the numbers or the deadlines I saw. Georgie has something to say. Yeah, Georgie, what you got for us? You got your hand up again. I love it. Yeah, so there's a lot of good things that have been said there. And maybe I'll start yeah. backwards with what Steve said about expectation and experience. I guess the one thing that's important is we have no experience in what we're going through. And so how can you have any realistic expectations when you have no experience? We have, uh, I mean, there are very gonna, there is either nobody alive or nobody that has any corporate memory on how to deal with a international disaster. And so I get why politicians are saying things because they feel they need to quell fear. The unintended side effects is that they create expectations that cannot possibly be met and then fear multiplies. And that's kind of what I think Steve is saying when he's saying you're giving the population an expectation that can't possibly be met. So I haven't in any way been surprised 
what they are purporting to be done is no way possible. Like there's no way that any rollout nationally or internationally can occur for a variety of levels. Internationally, we are at the constraints of the amount of vaccine that we're going to get. And there's already a lot of stories that are coming out out of Belgium and out of other places where countries are already talking about not giving vaccines until they vaccinate their own population. Then you've got to get the vaccine to Canada. Then the Canada has to disperse it to every province and every province has to make a plan about who is high risk and low risk. And then the disparities between income, First Nations, non First, like it becomes so convoluted and distorted that anybody that has had any kind of plan that involves more than five people have to realize that this is such a ridiculously complicated undertaking that people shouldn't be surprised that there are going to be major bumps, delays, and anything that you've been told wasn't necessarily a lie. It's just that the plan is constantly changing. Like people can't believe what you knew one month ago is the same that you know now. And I can guarantee you the information that we're going to get a month from now is going to make the plan different. And so I'm not surprised with all the bumps. And if you're making up a story as you go, you should have no expectation what the next page will be in your storybook. I'm going to disagree with you just a little bit, George. And and it's only, I think, on the timeline thing. I, I agree with you that this is a massive undertaking. But the pieces of this puzzle we've done before, we've been vaccinating people in clinics for a long time. Not not this many, but we know, we know how that routine works. The world now is, it's not 1919. We ship stuff all around the world all the time. So we know how to get vaccines from Belgium to Canada and we know how to disperse it across Canada. I just think we were unrealistic when some planner said it's going to take a year to move those vaccines from Belgium to Thicket Portage. And we said, no, we want them in six months. And somebody stood up and said, it's going to be there in six months. Figure it out. And we did figure out how to make a vaccine in a year. So maybe that's possible. But our will fades a little bit. So I don't disagree with you that, that I think it was unrealistic and it's a huge undertaking. But pieces of it we knew about. I turned on the TV. And then somebody comes on the telly and says, you know, first we'd heard we're going to get vaccines. Everybody was really excited. I think it was Trudeau probably first gave some expectation of roughly how long it was going to take in his estimation to vaccinate Canadians. Almost immediately, the plan goes off the tracks. Everybody is furious at the federal government for some reason, believing that when Pfizer fails to meet their promise to the Canadian government that it's the Canadian yeah. government's fault. They didn't do a good enough job in making Pfizer do it. In fact, <laughs> the, the Premier of Ontario, who you guys know I like to make fun of often, Meathead Doug Ford, who's he's not good at being anything but a bully, gave this press conference in which he was just saying, this is not good enough. You got to crawl up that guy's ass and make him give you the vaccine. Sounds like my time in prison. Yeah. That's how you got smokes. <laughs> Ramen, for goodness sake. <laughs> This is the best we get from our political leadership, right? That, no, no, you just tell him he has to do it. Okay, well, maybe some things in life don't actually work that way. Quickly, we'd gone off the tracks and maybe it's like, okay, we're not going to get the the vaccine dosages on the same rate. And the conversation very swiftly changed to, should we be changing the dosage interval? Testing rolls out. These drug makers make these drugs. They say, here is the drug. We say you get a shot, two weeks later you get another shot. That's how we did the testing. That's how you should do it. We roll it out. Immediately the debate becomes, well, maybe we should wait longer than two weeks. Maybe we shouldn't sit on that second dose for these people. Maybe we should just give it to everybody and get out there faster. And I'm flipping between all the different Canadian news agencies and every one of them on that Friday night was having the same debate. And every one of them had a panel of political or academic people. None of them had medical experts. This would be like me and Bruce and Steve having this debate and making and feeling like we can come to a decision and just not even include George in the conversation as to what we think we should do in terms of vaccination. Which we're doing tonight. So that's just for the record. 
<laughs> this conversation around COVID has become so all-encompassing in all of our lives that we've just decided all of our ideas should hold equal weight. We all have the right idea to solve the problem. I don't know. I feel like it's becoming a little bit absurd because you know the answer to that question is you followed the drug maker's instructions. They made the drug. They tested the drug. They're telling you how to administer the drug. You don't just make up your own fucking rules because it makes sense in your political agenda. So just to use Les's example about you guys having a discussion with a, without involving me, what I'm saying to prove my point about the lack of experience and times of uncertainty is I'm not even sure that my opinion matters. Like it might matter a little bit more scientifically. I'm just not sure that I can give you better advice than you guys can come up with. And I think that's the overall general frustration is I don't think that I, for example, should have got the vaccine before First Nations people in Northern Manitoba. I actually have no founding that that makes any sense. It sounded politically in the correct thing to do. Well, I'm a frontline worker. I work with people with COVID. I should get the vaccine. But I can't honestly in my heart of hearts tell you that that's the truth. And I think that is the basis of all this anxiety and uncertainty and frustration and the slinging of arrows and outrageous fortune towards other people is that everybody's opinion kind of matters in this situation because no one actually knows an absolute truth because we've never had a collective experience like this before. And I think this frustration germinates in the fact that Everybody at their core knows we don't know the truth. I have to pee. We're almost done. And so everybody can put on mute. Have the a camera. valid opinion. It doesn't make a difference if George Alvarez or Fauci says it because he can't honestly tell you that this is an absolute truth. And this is the very interesting thing about this dynamic: is there's there there is no absolute truths because we're living an experience in real time collectively and we are learning in real time and so i think people need to give themselves a little bit of a break and say everybody is doing the best that they can do in this rollout there's going to be no perfect plan and we have to understand that there are forces external to us that are actually controlling us which is a little bit unusual to the way that you live your life. You don't live your life, generally speaking, with outside forces making big decisions that negate decisions that you will make. What? You don't live your life, generally speaking, with outside forces making big decisions that negate decisions that you will make. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? And by the way, I'm not pro-liberal or pro-conservative. I, I think the provincial and the federal governments are doing the best they can do with what they got. And dude, it's just going to be messy. It's not going to be yes, clean. Yes. It's not going to be clean. Yeah, and and Steve is being though. a little bit idealistic here. No, 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 no. no. I'm going to make it really clear. I'm going to make it really simple. I'd rather get my news from Fauci than fucking TMZ. How's that? Let's fucking break it down. There are some people... Yeah. Even when we're in uncertain territory, have more experience and more knowledge than other people. And that's my point. There are people that have knowledge that have been kind of been here. And when you have a collaborative effort of experts, we should be listening to them. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, I agree with you, Steve. But then the semicolon to that is give them a break when they get it wrong. Because even people who have a lot of common sense and experience and expertise for the lack of a better word right we'll get it but wrong that's my point is we we'll get it wrong george that's that was my original point we shouldn't be saying with conviction that this is works and this is going to roll out because we set expectations that are unrealistic i would like for people to say we're not sure we don't know and we might get it wrong why don't you prepare for that hug the people you love do what you do your sit-ups, your push-ups, eat your fucking kale, plastics, whatever. Do your fucking pull-ups. We don't know what's going to fucking happen tomorrow. And why don't we live every day with that in mind? Look at Bruce flexing the pipes. But, but that's my point. We don't know, and it's okay to say, guess what? 
prepare for the worst, hope for the best. Here's what I want to say, George, in in response to your point. I don't think in the absence of absolute truth, you also have to ignore expert opinion or educated opinion. I think there's still a balance of those two things. I appreciate what you're saying, that there's so much unknown right now that this is all guessing. But there is such a thing as an educated guess and an experienced guess. And that's important in times like these. But I, I'd also like to just say that you, you took my comments in a, in a little bit of a different direction because my point was I'm not angry at, at the government for this rollout plan at all at the federal level. How could we be mad at the Canadian government because Pfizer can't make vaccines fast enough? Or if the European Union says, hey, we're going to make a law that says Europe gets the, any vaccine produced in Europe first before it exports. These are very, very difficult positions for the federal government to be in. You know, the federal government went out and did their damnedest to procure as many doses of vaccine as they possibly could. We were very early on to commit. Um, we've got a lot of them lined up, but we're still at the whim of the of the companies that are actually manufacturing these doses that they have to be able to deliver. And yeah, I think George's point, it's crazy to expect these drug companies never having had to produce things in such volume and being pulled to all corners of the globe at the same time are not going to have some production hiccups. So we got to expect some bumps along the road. I think that the, the, the general level of anger that people have at the government for the rollout right now is I really like your comment on uh, that maybe you shouldn't have been the first to get the vaccine. And what's a little bit funny to me is you probably didn't get consulted on that very deeply on whether you should be first or not. And I was called to a meeting on Friday to talk about rolling out vaccines to our homeless and disadvantaged population in the North and just how we were going to do that great on this group for trying to figure that out. But one of the first questions they said was, have you talked to that population? Are they even willing to get the vaccine? And it was like crickets in the room. Everybody looked around like, yeah, no shit. There you go again, right? (laughs) We've totally identified that this population, you know, is at high risk and it's it's expensive and it's just it's it's awful that's that should be mm-hmm. our first group but nobody actually ever went and asked you know the people standing on the corner will you show up when we or we not even show up we're going to go to you but when we show up with a van with coffee and donuts are you just going to grab a donut and run or are you going to get the vaccine <laughs> nobody knows the answer so <laughs> y- you weren't consulted and neither were the homeless population georgie those are your peers yeah. now george gotta get the vaccine if you want the donut Hey, that's, that's what the churches do. Are you going to listen to the message? That's what I... Oh, yeah, absolutely. You got to listen to the sermon, then we'll give you a sandwich. What? Yeah. Oh, you got to yeah. stick around for the sandwich. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, churches. Sorry, churches. Yeah. Well, George has been saying for a, a long time that we should be paying people to take the vaccine. Right? He's been a, he's been a proponent of that uh, idea for a while. I read about a community up way up north where they were having that exact scenario, right? The vaccine was coming and they realized, wow, in, uh, in our discussions with our local residents here, where they have had no uh, COVID, right? Because they're so remote, there's a lot of fear and we think the uptake is gonna be really, really low. So they did two things. First thing was the mayor went in first and said, give it to me first, I'll take it right here and, and did like stood up and gave a speech about why this is really important. And then they said, Anybody who takes a vaccine today gets a lottery ticket. We'll put your name in the bin and uh, we'll pull a winner. And it was like $2,500 prize or something at the end. And that's literally how they were like trying to motivate people to take the vaccine. The classic give away a quad. Yeah, give, give away a fishing boat. It's the meat wrap. Small town, northern Canada. Yeah. Steve, that's strong leadership right there, man. Strong leadership and cash. We started on the raffle to motivate people. That's an economic dilemma right there. Okay, Georgie, you got one more. (laughs) You got to hurry up and get more shooters in you. Okay, what's up? He's parched. His lips are dehydrated. (laughs) He's getting a headache. (laughs) Depending on your perspective in how you interact and use our healthcare system, you will have a very, very different look on who should get this vaccine. To Les's point, the complexity of vaccinating the world is almost like imagining how big our galaxy and universe is. It's almost impossible to believe. Space, the final frontier. 
The logistics of rolling this out with all the things that Les said, including the whims of companies that you have no control, is so complicated and dynamic that I think the population has to give federal and provincial governments a break. Uh, this is really a Monday couch quarterback scenario where you can just pick apart a plan. Like, it's just so easy. To Steve's point, I actually, I mean, I only listened to Hinshaw, which is our medical officer of health, but I've also listened to other uh, officers of health in other provinces, and I actually don't hear absolutes from any of them. So I don't hear the same messaging that Steve does about promises and uh, goalposts and milestones about what we're going to achieve. I hear a lot of, this is what we expect to happen please be careful, this is only a beginning. So even between two very good friends, I hear very, very different messaging than Steve hears. People will hear the words that they want to hear. So as a healthcare professional, I actually hear no promises. I've heard no promises. I've heard, this is what we're trying to do, this is what we're expecting to do by September, this is what we're hoping to do, but Unless I heard Stephen correctly, he is hearing a lot of promises and what he's hoping to hear is a lot of, I don't know, so we're gonna try, we're gonna try to do this. And, and I only bring that up not to refute Steve, but to bring up the point that people hear very, very different messaging with exactly the same words that are spoken by politicians. And I think that is an important point Perhaps to end off, or at least the last thing that I will say, and I will tell you from just experience, I literally tell the same things to my patients and patients' families, and the things that they regurgitate to me backwards. What? And the things that they regurgitate to me backwards. You know where he's at. Give him a break. Shock me, because that is not what I was saying at all. And to use Steve's, because I use this a lot, I use Steve's advice a lot, the intention and the impact of my words are completely different. And I think that's a lot of where the divisiveness and the anxiety come in our society and why we have this pod and why this is so awesome is we are hearing the exactly the same words, but we're getting very different messaging and anger arises from that. I've seen the needle and the damage done A little part of it and everyone When do you think you're going to get the vaccine? When do you think that'll actually happen? And Georgie, I'm going to end on you and when you think you should have got it. I think I'm going to get it at the beginning of May. I think that's when my number's going to get called and when there's going to be enough vaccine here and, and roll out and all of those kind of things. I hope it's sooner. I'm guessing the beginning of May. Lester. I've adjusted my expectation date a little bit, as Bruce Lee says. Empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. Now you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow, or it can crash. You gotta be like water, gotta be like water. I was hoping that I would get vaccinated by my birthday in mid-June. I think I'm gonna miss that. I'm gonna say I'm gonna get my vaccine in July or August. Okay, you gotta pick one. Okay, I'm gonna say I'm going to get it in August. <laughs> okay, Stevie? This might surprise you guys. I haven't given it any thought and I couldn't give a shit. At this point, I don't think about it much. It's going to happen when it's going to happen. I'll think about it when somebody calls me and says, you need to think about this. Honestly, I, I feel I have bigger things to worry about. You know, Bruce, with the, what we had said, letting other people go ahead, doing some more research on it, laying low, trying to educate myself. I don't live with fear. I don't live with like, I've got to get this to, to live a, a life that I want to live. So I haven't given it much thought. Okay. Steve, I don't think the fact that you haven't given it much thought is going to make your guess any better or less than mine or Bruce's. We didn't give it much thought either until I threw the question out. 
I could, I could sit here and think about it all day. I'm still fucking guessing. <laughs> it's a total shot in the dark. I know. I'm, I might get it in two weeks. The rules might change. Yeah. I'm not sure. You know, it doesn't really matter to me. Yeah. You suck yeah. at what if games, just so you know. <laughs> I suck at what? At what if games or, or these predictions. <laughs> yeah. okay. It was a simple question. <laughs> when? Pick a day. We don't even really have a fair comparison of when of who's going to get it first because George obviously already got it. Bruce, you're going to get it sooner than us because of your <laughs> job as well. And so it's really only down to Steve or yeah. I. And I'm going to guess that Steve gets it before me because oh, here's what wow, I think. Wow. No, because here's what I think is well, but then it's going to come down to provincial stuff too, right? And so right. I spend more time in Ontario than I do in Manitoba. Well, so Manitoba uh, may get ahead or behind Ontario, but if they're at yeah. the same time. I feel like what's going to happen is you're going to get offered first because you're 50 and I'm going to be like 49 (laughs) and 10 months and I'm going to miss that 50 and older cutoff. That's why I had to adjust mine back. That's a a good show. I like your thinking. See, it's all about educated guesses, right? You were saying that back to your point, Les. There's always numbers to be crunched, Steve. Yeah, there's always always numbers. There's always always numbers. Number George, if you were in a doctor, if you were Steve living in Alberta, what do you think? You have any <laughs> Steve living in Alberta? Oh, what a mind bender! Yeah, so I think Steve probably has the healthiest attitude towards vaccine rollout. Okay, you suck at this game too. Pick a fucking day. Yeah, you suck at this game too. <laughs> hey, get off his back. He's my he's my friend. <laughs> he's loaded. Okay, sorry. Well, it's about expectation. I think if you expect so, so Les is expecting yeah. to have it by August. If he gets it yeah. earlier, he's happy. If he doesn't get it, he's mad. No. No. That's absolutely not true. <laughs> Bruce, ask the question. Take a guess at when you're going to get it. And I guessed August. <laughs> I, I guess, I, I guess I'm, I'm trying to say to the general population and to the pod listeners. Cut them some slack. You should not expect this. You should be grateful when it happens. Logistics of it are so I mean, I know I've made this point a few times and that's why I'm re-stressing it. Cut them some slack. The undertaking to do this on a global scale. Cut them some slack. It is almost impossible this to believe. This whole calendar year, this is going to keep Those moving parts will change. But cut Everybody. From the person that takes care of to you. the prime minister that's trying to make national policy, and people are going to get it wrong. Cut them some slack. And it's not their fault. Cut them some slack. Cut them some slack. I think you just uh, lapped your, did you guys know that I drank a bunch of drinks? A uh, number of times you said that with the number of times you told people <laughs> to get cut a little bit of slack. So I appreciate that. Uh, just before we wrap up, can you tell us what you're up to tonight? Like what have you been doing since you- <laughs> four o'clock this afternoon have you had a drink or two? <laughs> have you been drinking george huh weird all right i gotta go okay, okay, love you, george. Gotta go okay guys bruce right, love, you guys. love you guys all right fellas. lester talk to you guys soon we've always been together with four of a kind having fun all day piling around and laughing away just best friends that's it that's the end you probably found us already on social media but if not at snow day pod tell your friends We've also got an email, snowdaypod at gmail.com. Send us a voice memo. Maybe we'll put your voice on the show. Thanks to the rest of our team, Social Media Todd, Producer Mike, and the secret weapon, Shannon Beeson. Yeah. <laughs> you look or not the boss of me. <laughs> no one understands me. Hey, George, no one understands me. Good talk. Good talk.